Why are the nations in an opera and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them, then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may be soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen? I said amen. amen. All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's um, take our seats in a moment. But before that, let's take our declaration of understanding, which we always do anytime we want to study. Are we ready? Now, let's go one, two. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. And let's take our seats quickly. Right, let's quickly get into our teaching for today. We are looking at the grace of the Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus. Why are we talking about that again? Uh, you know, uh, we began, well, we were in a series for a long time. We were speaking about the faith foundations for the Christian walk. And the latter part of it, we talked about the importance of knowledge. All right? The importance of knowledge. All right? So we took time to explain that that is the foundation for faith, what you know. And one of the most important things in life that you must know is the person of the Father and then the Son, that which is Christ Jesus. And that's why we're not going to explain further. In fact, we just don't want that series to be too long. This should actually be part of it, all right? So I have to just break it into a special um, section, which we call the grace of the Lord Jesus. Your faith cannot be solid, can't be strong except you have the knowledge of these facts. You must know who the Father is, and you must know who Jesus Christ is in your life. And you must know what exactly he did for you by his coming, his um, cross, all right, and his resurrection. It has something, in fact, not that it has some, that is the foundation of Christianity. We have established that Christianity is not about good works. It's not that I'm a nice person. I've learned how to do what is right. That's not Christianity. Christianity is fundamentally, foundationally, is about a person. It's about relating with God the Father, all right, through a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ, who came in, in flesh. The, he was born the way you and I were born. He was born, and then he lived. He fulfilled the will of God 
in his life, and then he offered himself as a ransom for many, you and I, all right? Now, having faith in him is what Christianity is. Christianity is not that I'm a good guy. You know, I keep on saying that. See, please, again, we're back to it. Nobody should deceive you that um, nice people, I know, I also, you know, let's talk about marriage as an example. I've heard of pastors, counseling church members. Let me say this quickly. Marriage is not the most important thing happening in this life. You hear what I say? It's not the most important thing. Marriage is absolutely not the most important thing happening in this life. It's secondary to other things. In fact, marriage is a tool for doing the will of God. It was given for us to do the will of God. So if it will take you out of the will of God, then it's a waste of time. I mean, do you get my point? It's like your child is going to school. You want to show you have money and all that. You buy him a car. It's no, okay, sorry. You can buy him a car so that he can move around in school. I hope I get my point. Make it easy. Go to university. All right, you have money. You buy him a car. Okay, take it to school. All right, make it easy to get from the lecture hall to the hostel to wherever he has to go. But if that car starts taking him every night to parties, he doesn't come back next morning. What do you do? You withdraw the motor car. Hey, 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 wait. You withdraw it. You withdraw it. That was why Coach Charlie said that he, with all the money he had, he refused to give his son a car. The boy talked tired. My mother talked. He said, lie, lie, lie. Go to school. Finish reading book. Because he judged that it would be a distraction. Do you get my point? It was not about can I afford it or I can't afford it. It's about how will he help you? And he judged. That was his personal judgment. You don't have to agree with it. I'm not saying he's right, but I want to just explain the principle. He said it will be a distraction for you. There's no way you are going that you can't trek to. There's no way you are going that you can't take a bus, you can't take a bike. And this is Nigeria, just by the way. It puts all eyes on you. So live normally. So you told the guy, boy, suffer like everybody else. In school, then when will you leave, we'll discuss again. Yes, I know I have the money, plenty of it. I sell the cars. I have plenty of it, but I ain't giving you. Why? It's about purpose. That's how it is also. Marriage is not the most important thing happening in life. Sometimes, you know, people carry, you know, you remember that song? Um, that song was, remember the house a few days ago. Carry me, they go. Jehovah, carry me, they go. My husband. You go to church singing that kind of song. So that all of you are not normal in that place. So as if that's the most important thing God is doing. It is not. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so is that I see people sacrifice things that are of more value for tools of the will of God. The Sadducees, they refuse to believe in resurrection because of marriage. You're not aware of that? They miss the will of God. When they came to Jesus Christ, he said, he said there's resurrection. Jesus said, of course. He said, okay, answer this question. There was a, and there was a real story. Okay, well, like we assume. The law was that if a man dies, all right, his widow will marry the brother so as to raise children in his name. All right, that was it. So this particular family had a lot of sons, and I don't know why they were dying one after the other and transferring the woman. All right? <laughs> Make a long story short, the woman was married to many of them. And then she too, she died one day. So the Sadducees looked at Jesus Christ. Since life is all about marriage. So there's nothing more important than marriage in this life. At the resurrection, if it were to happen, like you guys are saying, whose wife will she be? Isn't that poly? You know, there's polygamy and there's polyandry. So you will do polyandry in resurrection. He just looked at them. He said, you err. Now I'm going to modify the things he said. Not understanding the most important things in life. That's how we Christians miss direction too. 
What he said, of course, you know, is that you are not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. He's saying the resurrection. That's where I'm going. Then, then nobody marries or is given in marriage. That is not the most important thing happening in life. So I say clearly to believing, especially um, sisters, don't marry a man who is not a believer. I don't care how old you think you are. I know no other person is coming. It's not the most important thing. You don't disobey God for things that will last a few decades. Why well, your disobedience will last for eternity? Nonsense. I hope you get my point. Told the story, a very painful story, but real story of a woman who was doing good work, good work for the Lord. In the rural area. Then the family came. He told you Satan doesn't wear. I hope you know Satan is not dark. I hope you know that. Why is painted black in those pictures that the pictures were painted by white people? If we were the ones that read, wrote the original books, we'll have painted the guy white. It's true now. If we were the ones that started all these illustrations and all of that, painting who, who's wicked, who's nice, because all of us are dark, we'll have looked at who's that white guy? They just paint one guy, paint his whole face white. Don't you see how, okay, what do we do when we want to do masquerade? It's not white to put everywhere because the black people are normal people. So when we say white, so please, all I've heard is you can't decipher who Satan is by what he looks like. If you read the scriptures, Satan usually will appear like Peter. So those of you thinking that Satan came to the garden like a snake, then I'll go and revise that doctrine. See, but the Bible says so. I don't want to get into that. The Bible really actually, if you study it well, you think Eve was stupid to be having a conversation with snake. She'll have like, what's wrong with you? What are you doing here? Let me not sit on that now. So don't expect. Satan is really a nice, close friend who has your interest at heart. The only way you will know Satan, only way is one test, not two, one. You know what that test is? Whose interest is paramount in this conversation? So your pastor can be Satan. Yes, he can be. He can be. Do you know one day? Can you believe it? I know many people who love Mary, mother of Jesus, will not believe what I'm going to say. Mary too showed up as Satan. See your Bible like that. She came to pull him out of the call of God for his life. So he had to reject her that day. He said, who's my mother? He said, look at them here. If anybody told that Jesus will never do anything against the mother, you, do, you need to read your Bible well. They say your mother is looking for you. say, who's my mother? You say, see this woman here? She's my mother. Why? She's here hearing the word of God, and she's going to practice. He said, that is my mother. Get that one clear. Why am I telling the story? So this young woman, Satan came and told her, what are you doing in the rural area? Came in the face of the family members. When are you going to marry of course, as far as we were concerned, there were no husbands in the villages. Yeah, she was doing a par- revival. What's going on? The word of God, which is the only hope of a people. Now listen, never forget what I'm saying. The word of God is the only hope. The light that God shines in the face of Christ is the only hope of a people. See your village people? That's the only hope. Now, let me talk small politics. No matter... See, if you're a Christian, you know those who got into this, um, is it Chuku Okikiabiama? Is that what it is? 
Did I get it right? You know, I hope you know it's apostasy. When Christians got into that thing, in the name, see, hey, let me not lose track this morning. In the name of uh, liberation of the evil man, there is no liberation outside Jesus Christ. If you want liberation, start crusades. Start outreaches. Don't give money to a freedom fighter. Give money to missionaries. Tell them to go to the villages and towns and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other liberation. Listen to me, saints of God. Anybody that preaches another liberation for you will end you up in bondage. There is no liberation for anybody apart from the gospel of Jesus. There is no... Look, fella Nikola Pokuti had his problems, but he prophesied one day. He said, wait till you unite for United Nations. That time there was Falkland War. He said, Argentina and Great Britain, are, not, are they not members of United Nations? And they were bombing each other to pieces. He said, Iraq and Iran, that they were always fighting that time. I grew up with Iran and Iraq always fighting. He said, are they not members of United Nations? He counted the number of countries who were at war, who were members of United Nations. Do you know why United Nations was started? So that World War II would never happen again. So fella came and said, so, what do you unite inside United Nations? What I want to say, human beings cannot give human beings liberation. They can't. So you want liberation for a people? It is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, that's why I'm not ashamed. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. If only people will believe. That's what he said. It's the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes. So when I see, see, let's tell ourselves the truth. When I see Christians get into this Biafran thing, I shake my head. I said, God will soon punish this individual. Forget the name Biafran for a moment. Let's talk about the thing they are saying behind it. This is liber- I said liberation. God will punish you if you say it again. If you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, it's okay. If you worship Chukwu Kike, it's fine. But please don't go to church. Don't call the name of Jesus Christ. Even Namdekano had to deny Jesus to continue it. He said he's a Jew. Everyone who brandishes his Jewishness has denied Christ. The book of Romans, or Hebrews, chapter 5, into chapter 6, was written for people like that because of the fear of apostasy. They warned them, don't try it. They had to be warned, don't try it. How can you, how can you be so stupid as a Christian? You can't see when you are being led away from Christ. One day my wife said, ha, ah, long time, you don't see your friend in a while. I said, yes, let's go and visit. I didn't know it was Holy Spirit sending me that day. I sat in my friend's house, he's a pastor. When he was done talking, the Biafran agenda, I looked at him, I said, sir, you have a problem. I told him straight. I said, no wonder God said I should come and tell you today, stop this nonsense. Why? Your light in you is becoming darkness. You were supposed to be the light of a people. You are the one that was supposed to come and say, people, what we need is Jesus Christ. We don't need PDP, we don't need APC, we don't need Abga, we don't need Labour Party, we don't need anybody. What we need, who we need is Jesus. I said, you are the one that's supposed to tell them. Say to the cities of Zion, behold your God. I told them that, I said, sir, you need to stop this. I said, this is why God sent me here today. I didn't know about it when I was coming. My wife just said, I've not, you've not seen him in a while. I said, it's been a while. So we called him. We didn't even know this house. He had moved. 
So he had to guide us to where he was living. Long time. Then we suddenly began to talk, and he thing went into politics. Before that, I saw him at the airport. I didn't even know. He came to pick one big man of God who flew in from outside Enugu and outside the region. But it's from here. So I said, oh, he said, no, yeah, that the man came to talk to the people here so there are things they need to know. All politics. Jesus Christ. That was when I began to connect it. These people, we send people into bondage. See, no matter who you are, no matter what you offer, I hope once it's not Jesus Christ, you are sending people into bondage. It's a matter of time. They go further into bondage. You've heard me preach a, a, a lot of times. When Barack Obama won elections as American president, I was excited. I was excited because just months before that, God had helped me to understand the curse of Noah. When it's a curse be Canaan, a servant of servants he will be. I would I had explained that that curse death after I've read the script and I've studied it for years since then, that that curse could not have been directed at Canaan directly. That the Bible sometimes narrows its narrative. If you read even the genealogy of the king, sometimes they will jump on or two kings for certain reasons. They will tell this man, then this was the son of this man. If you go and read another account, there's a man in between. That one's actually the grandson. But for certain reasons, they drop some people. It happens. So sometimes I count the scriptures are like that. So having read it, I said, no. You know what happened? Moses focused on Canaan because he was explaining that we are taking the land of Canaan. As part of the manifestation of the curse that Noah placed. So I said, you know what I understand? Because it was Ham that sinned. Therefore, he must have placed a curse. And it's all over scriptures like that. You don't punish a man. For the father's sin. So the curse must have gone to the man. So why did he say Canaan? I said simply because he was about to take, take the land of Canaan. But that curse applied to Mizraim. It applied to Cush. It applied to Put. Because those were the siblings of Canaan. And I explained. Fact. Till now. It is the reason why you go to the least developed countries in the world. If you count ten at the bottom, nine will be in this our continent. There is a spiritual reason for it. I said, but there's the redemption in Christ Jesus. I just preached that for months before. Then Barack Obama rose as a presidential candidate in America. And when he won the election, for me, it was a sign of the thing I preached just recently. That there's redemption in Christ Jesus. And that the curse of Noah can be removed. I, I, I explained all of those. I didn't know that there's also what they call, well, I knew, but I didn't know it applied. That there's also what is called the Jeroboam spirit. I didn't know that I was dealing with the Jeroboam. Who will bite the fingers that fed him. I did not know I was dealing with the Jeroboam. Who will hate the God that made him president. I did not know that the, the, the Jeroboam who had nothing, was not from any great household. Yet God sent the prophet and anointed him king over ten tribes of Israel. Without his own effort. The people gathered by themselves and said, away with the house of David. And they came by them because he already had problems with Solomon. And they picked him and made him king without his own effort. The first thing he did was to build two gods for them at two extremes of the land so that they would no longer have to go to Jerusalem to worship. And the thing became a sin for Jeroboam and the whole of Israel. And when God was going to punish him and his household, he said, I will punish him for the sin that he committed and the one that he made Israel commit. This man was made president of America and I never saw hatred for God like I saw under him in that country. Sadhu Savaraj said one day, this is a bit vulgar, but I'll just say the way they said, they gave God the finger. You know what that means. Let me say it in a simple, you know, 
nice sounding. He took God go to hell. How did he do it? He took the LGBT symbol and painted the seat of government. You know, it's a white house. So they arranged the colors and shown the LGBT rainbow. Not the rainbow of God. Perverted the symbol of heaven. Which is a symbol. You know, that's perversion. The whole thing they are doing is perversion. Because the rainbow is a symbol of God's faithfulness. It's supposed to be a symbol of God's promise. That's what it is. But they turned it to a symbol of perversion. And the president of the most powerful country in the world painted it on the seat of government. And Sadhu Savara said, by that said to God, go to hell. Said they gave God the finger. At the spirit of Jeroboam. Now, what am I talking about him? The blacks were happy that he won. My friend lives in America. He said, Banky, he wanted Barack Obama to win. What is the reason? So that there will be hope for the average black man on the street. He said, in America, it's very common. He's a doctor. He works in the clinic, in the hospital. So he said, you see a young man come to hospital. He said, okay, he's 21, 22. Like, he said, okay, he's sick. You're treating him. So as part of the things, you need to know what he does. What do you do? He has nothing to tell you. He said, you know, I get around. Just, just around, you know. I'm just, just around. Ah, in Nigeria, if you are 21, you cannot just be around. You have to after being, either be in school or you're learning a trade. Ah, you must be in school or learning something. Or you've left school or you're doing NYC. You was around? Yeah. If you won't go to school, you're my, so you come and be my driver. You must do something. He said, but they say it's very common. So for him, he said, this man becoming president will give them hope. And I remember PDD that time, he put his son on his, on his knees. He said, now nah, I can tell my son, he can be president. And Oprah Winfrey was beside herself that night. I watched the whole thing. What he did not know is that that man was going to set them backwards by 50 years. You know why? Because the freedom that God gives does not come like that. Jesus came to Israel. They thought that he would liberate them as a warrior. He said, no, your real bondage is inside. I can't deliver you outside until I've delivered you inside. And if I deliver you inside, if inside you are delivered, your outside deliverance will come naturally. Just a matter of time. Where am I going to? I still say it till tomorrow. You know, the deliverance of God is funny. They tend to be, the things of God tend to be counterintuitive. What I'm trying to say is this. The person that you think is your liberator in spiritual things end up being your your captor, thank you. The one who put you in bondage. Sometimes the one you think that's trying to keep you captive is actually the one that's really freeing you. Like um, Ben Carson said. So he said, talk to young people. You don't want anybody to tell them what to do, where to go, how to use their time. He said, no, they want their freedom. He said, do you know when they end, what they end up getting? They end up in a place when they are told when to wake up what to wear, when to eat, when to sleep, and where they can go, and where they can go. He said, where is that? Prison. He said, because they did not want bondage, you know, they didn't want restrictions in town, in, in, in life, they ended up in the ultimate of restrictions. That is our father that will flog you, say, you were not in school on time, and he put the belt to your back, and he came home, you're watching TV, and he grounds you from watching TV for two weeks. I didn't do your homework, and it makes you pick pain. And it doesn't let you live your life. It's the one that's delivering you from prison. The one that lets you do what you want, when you want, how you want it. 
eventually, without doing it directly, ends you in prison where all the restrictions come upon you. Look at the Western world, the people who, who, prom- who say they are progressive, who say they are free, who are bringing freedom to people, are the ones leading them into bondage. There's nothing you can do to yourself as a woman more than following, worse than following the feminists. They lead you into the ultimate of bondages. That's what they do. Promising freedom. They promise freedom. But at the end of the day, what do they lead into? Bondage. Why? Because Barack agreed to everything. You want to marry your dog? Feel free. Love is love. If you know the way that guy used to reason, he was going to get there. Step by step. Under him, same-sex marriages, they call it marriage equality. Now, for your information, all these things, we have information everywhere. Founded on lies. But this man kept on pushing it. I said, you don't get it. Americans, this guy is the problem you will have. He's not, he's not the free. Do you understand? He's, he promises freedom. But he's actually sending you into bondage. The one that will really, really, really liberate you will initially appear like he's taking your bondage away, your freedom away. Let me not talk too much politics. Using America as an example. When Donald Trump came in, they may not like him. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth. If David was alive today, you're not an Israelite. You wouldn't like him too. But we'll see the account of God's opinion in the scriptures. When DT came, became their president, he said this is a sign of God's mercy. Because he went after all the laws carrying and supporting iniquity. He said, let me break them down. First day, not second day, the first day in office, as he sat down in office, he defunded any American agency spreading iniquity abroad. He defunded them, executive order, day one. Where am I going with the whole talk? Eh? When Donald Trump came, I said, listen, you guys, better love this man. You may not like him, but love him. You may not like him, but love him. What do I mean by loving him? Let him be your president. Forgive all those small, small things. That You say, what do you mean by small, small things? He calls African countries and some countries from around the world, call them dunk-ho countries. You know, let's just <laughs> use it like that, all right? When I heard it, I laughed. It didn't, see, I said, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? Is it that they told you the truth that's paining you? He said, you call your country, don't call country. You, what do you call it? Don't you, don't you follow your own brethren on Twitter? What do you call the country? You with your own mouth. So the brother, he said it. We might not like it, but he told the truth. From, it's what we called it that he helped us amplify. And we felt as an American president, he shouldn't say things like that. But except that he was not the typical president. I was telling my wife yesterday, two days ago, we were talking about in the house. I said, do you know he was one president that America had, at least that I saw, that had one agenda, which was to fulfill all his campaign promises. Go and check it. Every campaign promise he made, he went out to fulfill them. Fulfill them. Somebody compiled the videos of all the pre- previous presidents campaigning. All of them promised. Now, I'm not saying I agree with them or with him, but just to see one personality type. All of them promised that they would recognize Jerusalem. 
as a capital of Israel. Now, for your information, I really don't care. It doesn't bring any blessing. If you recognize, uh, what do you call it, so this lake of uh, the Dead Sea as their capital, it doesn't mean anything. If you recognize Jerusalem, it this Jerusalem that God is looking for is the one from above, not the one from the earth. Don't get confused. People just get, they get into nonsense. Say, oh, na-. I saw it on TV. He said, now we have recognized Jerusalem. Lord, we are ready for your blessing. <laughs> so it's not like I rec- it's not as if I'm not saying that I, um, I agree with him. The point I'm just making is that he went out. He also promised like about four or five presents before him. And he did it. The rest never bothered. George Bush Jr., Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, all of them said it. In America, why? They felt that that was the Jews in America wanted to hear. Donald Trump said it, and he did it. They want to crucify him that he touched one woman 15 years ago, or 25 years ago. If you know how many women David touched. <laughs> oh, David. That guy was a torture man. <laughs> they look... David, it was one thing that embarrassed God. If God is looking at me, say, Mark, stop saying this thing. Now, you know I don't like Now, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that God was going after some more important things in his life. Now, we're talking about freedom and bondage. Those who wanted freedom, they didn't like him. They liked the man who they felt to give them freedom. But I'm giving you the mind of the spirit. God said, no. That one will send them into bondage, into spiritual bondage. Telling them that you can live any way you like is setting you, sending you into bondage. What they don't do, you know this LGBT thing? They don't tell you, it's deliberate, they silence it. They don't do studies. No, they've done studies, but they silence the studies. On the outcome of the lives of those who follow this agenda. It's never good. It's never good. So one man on, 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 on YouTube being interviewed by um, Pierce Morgan. They call her the female Andrew Tate. She said something which to me, to me was beautiful. Initially, when I first saw her, I thought she was something was wrong with this girl. She had some funny ideas, all right? Even though Piers Morgan was confused. The woman said that, it's a woman, I said, why should women vote? I'm like, what did you say? He said, it's one vote per household. That was her own logic. She said something that I actually agree with. She said there should be a ban on divorce. Oh, now she's European. I think she's in the UK or somewhere around there, which is a crazy statement to make. Of course, Piers Morgan did not agree with her. But when she explained, I said, ha, ah, this makes sense. Even he had to back down. Like, ah, her reason? She said, leave marriage for those who want it. That's not by force. They have to run their country. You can do anything you like, you know, civil union, anything. He said, but please, this for better for worse, that people should please start reciting it. And if you don't want to recite it, leave it. How many of these things? You know what happens? Those who promise freedom, you know what they end up doing? Of course, that woman was trying to explain. That at the end of the day, their society is scattering anyhow. But this woman spoke like, do we know the, the result of this thing we are doing? And you listen to a man like Jordan Peterson. He, he said, no, you can't say this is right because you have not extrapolated over the next 50 years, 100 years. You do something for three years, you say it's okay. He said, no, let's see the result in 50 years. Let's see the result in 100 years. That's what Jonah keeps on saying. What am I talking about? Those who promise freedom. They tend to lead people into bondage. 
And I began all of this by saying there is no other freedom but that which you have through Christ Jesus. Especially, now, I'm not saying it doesn't apply worldwide, but I'm, in, I'm a Nigerian, and I'm an African, I'm a black person. Especially to the African, especially to the black race. Especially I say that. I say that because spiritually, they have nowhere else to run to. It's either Christ or zero. The descendants of Shem. It's either Christ or level two. The descendants of Japheth. Either Christ or level one. Christ is on that level entirely, I know. But for the descendants of Ham, they are on level zero. Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants. You shall be. So if you are of the African descent, don't let anybody offer you any freedom apart from Christ Jesus. Because at the end of the day, you end up in bondage. Your children will be slaves. Your, look, I know what I'm telling you. That's why I said, look, if I were the blacks in America, I don't care. I would have supported Donald Trump. For the simple reason that he took the cause of Christ seriously. You can call him a hypocrite. That's your problem. But he took the cause of Christ seriously. Nobody could persecute a church while he was president. They didn't dare it. Our former president, President Muhammad Buhari, went to America, went to the White House. He asked him to his face. He said, I heard you are persecuting Christians. Why? Now, I'm not here accusing President Buhari of having done that. But this man didn't mean, he asked him to his face. There was a pastor in Turkey. He had been under house arrest for over two years under Barack Obama. Obama did nothing. They wanted to use him to bargain to get Golan out of the United States. Exchange. Give us Golan, we'll give you this American missionary back. Two years, President Obama did nothing. Donald Trump came into power. They told him about it. He called Erdogan. He said, listen, send him home. Otherwise, I will kill your economy. The guy didn't pull punches. Erdogan packaged that guy within two weeks and sent him home. Ah, All those who were suing Christians who refused to bake cake for same-sex marriages, they left the cases once the guy was in power. They brought them back up now. Under Joe Biden. Under Donald Trump, they didn't dead. You don't like him? I don't care. You know, it shocked Americans at the time. When he was running for, second, um, um, for the second term in office, that in nature, a church trooped out and marched the streets supporting Donald Trump. When Donald Trump saw it, he was shocked. This was in nature here. So you know what BBC said? When they did the polls and said, look, the popularity of this president, you know, different parts of the world, they were shocked that with all the calling of names and racism and all of that, he kept on having an approval rating of over 70% amongst Africans. Those who live in Africa. So they said, oh, it must be because America gives Africa aid. They did not do approval rating for Obama. We made Obama the you know, butt of jokes all over the country, all over the continent. I, I still remember one, one Ugandan you know, a, a, a political setting. They were having a meeting, talking about LGBT thing. They said, is this what President Obama calls, uh, that he wants to export to us? Do we want it? They said, no. They rejected him. 
We didn't want it. After the initial euphoria of a black man as president, we said we'll have nothing to do with the house of Obama. BBC didn't notice that. They did not know the reason why the Africans were supporting Donald Trump was because, simply because of the conservative values. Because we sat down here, we saw them trying to ram nonsense down our throats. Can you believe that under the former man, we begged for weapons to... You see, let me warn you about these people who claim they are looking for freedom for you. They are evil. They are satanic. I warned you about you, Koki, Kiyabiyama. If a, if a Christian, you are, you are dining with apostasy. Anyone who's not magnifying Christ. Do you know what these guys did? These are progressive LGBT people. We begged for weapons. Boko Haram was at our doorstep. They were moving into the country, taking over local governments. Do you know they blocked America from giving us weapons because we did not legalize same-sex marriage? While Boko Haram was taking over our local governments. We said, okay. We turned to Israel. Israel said, okay, they'll give us helicopters. They send a signal to you. You give them, you, you get into trouble with us. Ah, Israel had to back down. They went to Brazil. They sent to Brazil again. Don't give them anything. These are facts. So. Then finally, President Gulo Jonathan had no choice. They packaged cash, put on a plane, flew to South Africa to buy weapons. They seized the plane. No, seized our cash. Same money laundry. Of course, South Africans did it, but we know who was, we know the finger behind the whole thing. They knew we were moving cash. They became a big scandal because the plane that was used was a private plane that belonged to uh, Pastor Ayo, who was then, other than immediately before the camp, no, he was the camp president. So they wanted to make it. We said, listen, Boko Haram is at our doorsteps. We need these weapons to fight. They said, why don't we legalize so that you are persecuting homosexuals? There's an African saying that when your child is outside in danger, you rescue him first before you start flogging for why did he go out? Ah, you told the boy not to go out. He went out. You see two dogs going after him. Hey, you first bring your gun. MH dog, two arm. Second dog, two arm. When they are both crippled, you now go there, bring your boy inside and start flogging him. Did I not tell you not to go out? You know this other man came into power. Is it drones? No problem. We support it with drones. Is it um, satellite images? Where do you want it? What do you want by? Come collect. That was why he had a higher approval rating down here. I'm talking about freedom. The only freedom you have is the one you have in Christ. Let's get back to our base. The heart of Biafra land. <laughs> the real freedom we can offer a people. Any people. Is Christ Jesus. You don't need to donate money to people who are carrying guns. Donate money to those who are carrying Bibles. You go into a rural area, somebody starting to start a church. Ah. If I change a thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. It will erect some poles for you and put a roof over there. But I can make it ten thousand. We'll rent a hall and buy you public address speakers. Whichever pastor will come here, we'll pay him enough money to take care of his feeding and that of his family and school for his children so that he can preach. Please make sure if he can't speak the language, we pay an interpreter. But make sure it's one that can speak the language better, we pay. That's what we need to do. Why? That's real freedom. 
And let me say something about freedom. You can't, there's no hurry about it. There's no hurry. Some of these freedoms you are looking for, God says three generations, better start on time. Because you go, you go to some of those rural areas, God will say, and I'm not, I don't mean any insult by this. I've seen the way people behave sometimes. Huh? God says, see, Banky, they're only a little better than animals. So they live by their instincts. They don't care about strangers. They will kill a stranger to take 20 naira from him. So they are only better than animals, a little better than animals. So this is why I used to tell Israel, wipe everybody out. Because there was no Jesus Christ to redeem them. Look, go and see when they were dealing with the Gagashite, the Hittites, the Amorites. God had the rule. Once the person is breathing, kill. Yeah, it was funny. If, but if you don't understand how what God was saying, say the person is breathing, human, kill him. Kill her. But she's a five-year-old girl, doesn't matter, kill. Wipe them out. Genocide, yes. People have turned into a big iniquity. God said, I know what I'm doing. You doctors do it every day. You cut limbs. You cut breasts. Why? It's tissue side. <laughs> yes, no? Because you are trying to prevent something. Do you know what I am preventing? It's one of those rare areas. That's how God sees them. All. So he said, do you know what he will do? When the gospel goes there, Say to the cities of Zion, behold your God. The first generation, the only thing they will manage to do is stop attacking strangers and each other. They will learn to respect somebody else's property, somebody else's wife. They will just learn those basic commandments. Then I will open their intellect to be able to learn properly to read and write and to see life beyond the daily food. And this satisfaction of basic desires. That's all I can do in this generation. Why? They are too old. But they will make their children go to church. Their children will go to church. Their children will learn real values from their childhood. Their children will be able to interact with anybody in the world. Their children will understand anything going on on this earth. Their children will become professionals. They will become teachers. They'll become preachers. Then the children of those ones will turn that community, community into anything. They will develop it agriculturally, technologically. But I need three generations. That is what we need. is a gospel. And we have to be patient with it. You know what Satan is successfully doing, which we must stop him, is making us lose faith in the gospel. We start saying things like, uh, they didn't go to school, uh, to church in Japan. They are developed. Are they descendants of Ham? Those are all children of Japhet. They don't go to to church here. They went before. It's their children that are not going. (laughs) But the blessing of God still persists. Don't forget, the land was still fruitful in Sodom and Gomorrah. That was why Lot went there so don't think once you disobey God overnight, everywhere it dies. It takes time. When judgment finally comes, no matter who your ancestor is, when the judgment finally comes, the land become barren. Till today, today, thousands of years later, the land that used to be Sodom and Gomorrah is still barren. Why? The sulfur content was too much. Or is too much. Still there. When it rains, sulfur and brimstone, not a joke. So judgment does come, but until it comes, some things can be difficult to understand. 
So stop people now. Satan has suddenly turned us to people who don't understand the power of the gospel anymore. And we make it look as if all that God is doing is developing nations. After when Jesus comes, he's going to wipe everything out. And I've told you, I've said it, say it again. If Jesus has not returned, give it in a few more uh, decades. You go to Dubai, say, desert thou art, to desert thou shalt return. It's not hard. I hope you know it's not hard. It's not hard. All God needs to do is crush the international price of crude oil and give them one natural disaster. Listen, listen. For God to turn a place to a desert is not a big deal. No, it's not hard work. It's not hard work. It's absolutely not hard work. I'm talking about Satan trying to, you know, undermine our faith in the gospel. That's what I'm saying. Listen to it again. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If only the people will believe. And I say to you, let me first quote the Bible. To the, Jews, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You notice he talked about Jew and Greek. There's a reason why. But it's the power of God to everybody. So I need to modify that portion to apply to us. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Because herein is the, power, the righteousness of God revealed. Especially to the African. No Paul talk about Jews first and the Greek. Now I'm adding my own. Especially to the African. Anybody offers you anything, please tell him to get out. Tell him you are denying me my inheritance. I went to all of this trying to tell a story. Remember that story? About a young woman who was there preaching the gospel. Which I took all this time to emphasize to us again. Is actually the power of God. Unto real freedom for people. And the family came and said, what are you doing here? Are you not going to marry? And then she abandoned the work of God. And the revival ended. See, anything God is doing, he needs people. Through whom he will start it. And people through whom he will sustain it. She walked away. She was one that had the grace. She had not even built up any other person. The people there were not able to keep the thing going. But she left. And the whole job the whole revival collapsed. Nobody married, she won't marry. She married shortly after. And God said, uproot her. She's not bearing any fruit for me anymore. A few years after she got married, she took ill. A few years after that, she died. Listen. And by the way, she died because of that marriage. Her death was caused by that marriage. Yeah. And I'm not implying it. It's literal, literal. Give you this medical history. Sure, marriage killed her. But it wasn't really the marriage spiritually. It's God that says, Ichabod. The glory has departed. There's no need anymore. What are you doing here? Come on, go home. I'm walking back to where I got into that. Which is the fact that I want to tell you that, look, I don't think it's the most important thing in life. You know, that's where we began from. Yes, it's not the most important thing. The woman should have known. Serving God is the most important. Doing the will of God is the most important thing in life. Doing the will of God is the most important thing in life. And I went to do that and explain the fact that <laughs> don't tell me a man is nice. I've been saying that. I'm not going to marry you because you are nice. I'm going to marry you because you believe in Christ Jesus and you have the life of God working in you. That's it. That is it. That is it. That's what Christianity is. That you have the life of God working in you. Why? Because you have believed in the Lord Jesus and you have given your life to him. Whether you are rich or poor is not the issue. It's not the issue. It's not the issue at all. 
saw a video the other day. One woman was doing a poll. Do you want a poor but faithful man or a rich man that cheats? And all the girls she asked said, ah, they want the rich one. Why? He says, it's better to cry in a limousine than in an, in an old vehicle. It's better to cry in Dubai than to cry in the village. Those kind of things. You know what God says? Cry, you shall cry. Be careful the kind of things you say to God. See, <laughs> what you say in his hearing. What you say in his hearing. Oh, God. God, God just look at all of them. He said, cry. This cry. You will cry it. I will deny you laughter from the day after your marriage till you die. He just be talking and say, hey, no, no, no. It's better to cry. In this. God says, she not cry. Don't worry. You know, Drew, I will actually carry you to Bojan Arab. But you won't see it for the amount of tears in your eyes. You want it to cry? No problem. I will put you in the most beautiful city in the world. You will cry for a village so you can have peace. Because maybe you want to cry. Okay. If we don't know God. God said, you said we will run to Egypt. He said, no problem. Therefore, you shall run. Oh, I don't know whether you're getting my point. They say, well, I want to. God said, in returning and in rest, will you be saved? They said, no, we want to run. God said, all right, no problem. Start running. Ah, I pray you understand God. He said, start running. You know, when God says that, eh, you will run, you will be tired, you will not be able to stop. Your legs will go out on you, your hands will continue to run. The hands will stop working, you will start rolling. Why? God said, you will run. <laughs> the other day, I told my wife, we're looking at it. I said, this guy is a man of God. I said, have you noticed that now running the run since? Because you are looking for where life is comfortable. In Nigeria, you run from one city to another to another. Then finally, you say, this country is a useless country. Then you run to another country. You stay there for a, five, a few years. You say, these people are bad people. You are going to, I said, can't you see? You know what God is saying to you in case you are hearing this? He said, in returning and in rest, will you be saved? Go back to where you began to run from. I said, God, if I would die here, let me die here. But I'm tired of running. When those ladies were talking, I just looked at all of them. I told my wife, see, look at the kind of human beings there. They don't know God. Did we read this? I wanted to read the scripture. Have we read it? I haven't. Let's go back. So, what I was saying is this. Remember, there's Homo sapiens, what? Adamus and Homo sapiens, Christus. We don't want a nice Homo sapiens, Adamus. The best person of the old order is inferior to the least of the new. Christianity is what we're talking about. Is knowing who Jesus is. Is committing yourself to living the life of Christ. God will do the rest. He will help you. But first, you must commit yourself to living the life of Christ. And we have said that, look, Christ is a realm. This new life needs to be activated. It's activated through knowledge. And we've been talking about that knowledge. You have to know who Christ is. You don't come to God and meet the Father except you come through Christ Jesus. That is just the way it is. You cannot come to God and meet the Father. Because when you come to God, you know, God is, <laughs> let me use the medical terminology, it's English or anyway. God is polymorphic. He has different forms. What you see depends on 
how you approach and who's approaching. If you are crafty, you approach, you find a crafty person. That's how it is. The same God. But the form he would take, you'll be confused. You go, you ask him, can I go with the people of um, Balak? You say, and you say, you can go. Why? You thought you had sense. You came to him with the love of money in your heart. And you want to blame him for going. Because <laughs> say, no problem now. You can go. So I've heard women say that. No, when I, knew my, when I married my husband, I knew it was God. I prayed until God said, marry him. I don't believe you. Why? He was an unbeliever. Talk from now till tomorrow. I don't care who spoke to you, did not speak to you. How they speak, speak, speak. It can be here. I said that because I know God enough to know you can't rely on these things you hear. You can only check the kind of heart you approach him with. Like we're here discussing yesterday that can you deceive God? Can you come to God trying to deceive him? He said, yes, now after you have deceived yourself. But you think you are speaking honestly, but you are lying. You think you are speaking honestly, but you are just telling lies. So Balak, Balaam said, you know, I will never go anywhere that God doesn't say I should go. They asked a young woman, will you sleep with your boss for promotion? He said, only if God asks me to. I will never do such a thing until God says so. Yeah, she said it, she said it. Why, she goes to a Pentecostal church where the pastor, his name is Reverend Balaam. Apostle Balaam. Balaam of pure. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> Balaam wanted to do that with God, though. So I will never go anywhere unless you say go. And he told them. He told them. So they said, all right, no problem. What did he say? He said, don't go. All right, we're coming. Tell God we'll be back. Who can work this out? They went back to the dawn. Well, Balaam said he's not coming. So why not? Well, I don't know. Maybe the money is not enough. But he claimed it is God. He said, every man has a price. Double the money. Send more senior ministers. I want my first son to go with you. They went there. Oh, boy. When Balaam saw honor, he said, follow me to the altar. You know, his one brother here is his pastor that said that. The pastor of his church. Yeah, the kind of thing went on God. He was trying to talk about the power of your seed. The power of your seed. That one day he was in church. He said, Look, he doesn't play politics, he's neutral. Whether you're APC, Labour Party, Abga, or NMPP, whatever you are, everybody is the same under God. So this, this politician came to me and said, Pastor Pray, the chairman of a political party, my candidate in one state is running for government. Election is next week. I need you to pray that he will win. And that one said, no, you know, God is not uh, like that. We're just going to pray generally. And the guy brought an envelope. And Pastor looked. How much was this? Is it ten or $20,000? $20,000. He saw it. He said, follow me to the altar. He carried the pastor, the, the chairman of that political party, dragged him to the altar and began to declare, I shall live, says God. 
<laughs> your son, your candidate shall win. Am I not the creator of the heavens and the earth? If I say a thing, it will come to pass. If I do anything, who can hinder it? As for my outstretched hand, who can turn it back? Win! <laughs> not the painful part. This pastor came to use it to preach. That do we know the candidate won? The power of the shade. Yes, he was the one preacher. I'm not the one mocking him. He used it to preach. How your seed can change the mind of God. Balaam's seed or Balak's seed changed the mind of God for Balaam. But God's mind never really changed. It was what Balaam had that changed. To the crafty, he shows himself as crafty. You didn't say you are Isabi? No, Allah. And then God sent an angel. If he crosses that place, kill him. But Lord, you said I should go. He said, no, it's not me. It's the crafty side of me that he saw. When you approach God, what are you approaching? What you will find depends on how you come. That's what I'm saying all of these things. If you come as to meet God the judge, no one can ever be justified before him. It's not possible. Unless it does not count your iniquity. If it does, you can't stand. Except he refuses to count. If he does, you can never stand. It's the reason why he took Job through everything he went through. Because Job began to think that his righteousness will uphold him. Job was full of good works. God said, hmm, Job, let me explain something to you. I have blessed you because I overlooked your iniquity. And I keep on telling Christians, please don't fall for that temptation of your good works. One grace you have to pray for is to do what is good and forget. I need to say that again. Pray for that grace. That when you have done what is good, you will not forget how to do the good, though, but you will not remember to count what you have done. God did something like that for me some time ago. I didn't even know he had done it. I went somewhere to preach. My friend who is the pastor was now giving testimonies of how God used my wife and I to bless him. And he said one thing after that. So his wife was sitting near me. You know, we're sitting in front. All right, he was speaking on the pulpit. So I turned to his wife like, I think your husband is mistaken. She said, no, he's not mistaken. Ah, the guy said, oh, tell another story. He said, let me confess something. No. I said, oh, the church was laughing. Big church. He said, that money you gave me that time, I didn't use it for the thing you said, though. I used it for something else. Ah, so I looked at the wife like, I think your husband is making a mistake. She said, no. She began to describe and describe. Do you know? I was so confused. I couldn't remember anything. After a long explanation, I faintly remembered a bit of what I said, okay, do you know? I had absolutely no recollection. When I came home, I told my wife, this person said, he said this one. He said, yes, yeah, no, she remembers this one. I said, hey, you are conspiring to remember against me. A joke there. But the point I'm making is this. I, I, really, you know what? I thanked God that day. I did the Father, thank you. That he remember. If any pastor tells you to be writing it down, he's sending you into bondage. If he says, bring your tight card. Hey, by the way, if you go to a church where they use tight card, don't fight to collect the card. Then throw it away. Pastor can keep his own. It's between him and his God. You just be bringing the money regularly. I hope you get my point. Let him be taking it. But in your own house, you must not have any idol inside there. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. 
Please, I'm begging you. Your tithe card in your house is an idol. Let pastor keep the idol inside the church. You don't bring it home. If he comes and says that, Chooks, we have not seen your tithe, bring it. I'll have bring it, just walk away. Don't remember it. When they say, come to the front, those of you have been tithing, don't go. I see churches do it all the time. No, they will not give titles communion. Where, where, where is this one bit? Which country do you go to church in? <laughs> now pronounce, you, see, you don't want to know the truth. Okay, this, this, is, this is a so-called principle behind it. That Melchizedek gave Abraham bread and wine. So that's the idea. Please, if you are a student of the word that I preach, by the authority conferred upon me, as a result of this commission of God upon my head to teach you his word, I say to you, don't go. So what do you mean by that statement I just made? Go and read your Bible now. You know, I always take this in from the scriptures. Paul said, by the grace given to me, I say to you, don't think highly of yourself than you ought to think. He had to have authority to say it. And that's what I'm using to say what I'm saying. Do not go. If you go, you are not a disciple of mine in these words I'm preaching. Don't. Be a generous giver. Be liberal. If they say, no, if God has sent you to be someone, say, if you don't see your 10%, you're not, give it to them. <clears throat> Wait, you're planning to support the church, have you? Hey, give now. They say, come forward and receive the blessing of the title. I say, I'm not, that one, sir, that one I will not do. There's oil here for you. I have a row in my house. Don't worry about it. Yeah, seriously. I'm very serious about what I'm saying. Because many times we approach God, the judge, because of how we came. We want to ask him for a blessing. We give him a list. You know, the church building, I made sure that my money was in the foundation. Because pastor said, anyone who lays a foundation for God, his life will have a foundation. He lied. The Bible says, but he lied to him. Oh boy, he lied to you. If you give money to the roof of this church, your life will have a roof. What, what do you mean by that? Does that have a meaning? <laughs> Preachers, please, if you are listening to me, no need getting angry with the things I'm saying. Just tell pe- the people, bring money, we need to do something. Is that not enough? Why must you add all this pepper and guam to these things? Just tell the people of God. Like I say humorously, we are not planning to go to Dangote to ask for money. He may be the richest Nigerian, the richest African, the richest black man. We won't go to him. God will use those of us who are his children to supply the needs. We believe that he's going to do that. So you want to be an instrument, be one. Leave it like that. Anyone that God will not move is his problem. Deliverance will come from another place. Is that not what the guy said? Don't worry about it. But let's talk about you. That's just an instruction for ministers. I mean, be free. Ah, I pray ministers to be free. I see them under tension all the time. As one, God, to me, they're under tension. See, let me tell something about preaching. Hmm? God is my witness. I, I, what, what am I lying to you about? I've only said something from the beginning. The only thing I owe God hmm, as a result of his assignment upon my life is to make sure I preach. It's the reason why I was discussing with my guys the other day that when people invite me to go to place, I'm not even under pressure. This year, I don't think I've 
honored more than three invitations a whole year. Is it more than that? Only go apart from places that are like our own, like inside one of our brethren here. Okay, yes, I went to the International Convention of Dami. All right, I went. I remember. I went. <laughs> if you don't count, you know, people like Dami and who are just out very nice over two, three the whole year. I get invitations. So I ask Reyinka. Once they come, I say, tell them, tell them we are not coming. It's looking like, let me even explain now. Olenka, what do you want to explain? Okay, finish explaining. Okay, tell them I am not coming. Oh, okay, when they come. I have my reason. Let me not go into that, my reason. Where I'm going is that, what I owe, eh? Is this one that God has given me to do? I write books, I preach here regularly, and I record it. That one is a divine commission. I must record. So if you see us, you know, fiddling with uh, equipment, I will pause here, go there. to go, you know, It's all it happened today. Because we cannot, eh, if you see the work we go through, if you are downloading this from the internet and all of that, you will not know that we are not, we remove all the noise of the road that comes in. Any interruption, many of you may not notice. I repeat myself sometimes needlessly. You will not know because I was talking and somebody coughed. I can't tell you not to cough. Can I? <laughs> But I repeat, because I don't want your cough to be there 15 years later. It's just the word we want. If you see, they have dragged these chairs forward. Because this people here, they have a way of dragging their feet. So they move to where they can drag it on the rug so that they won't disturb me. Because every time you drag your feet, Israel has to cut it off. But I don't want to make you feel so uptight, you can't relax. So we take the body and put it on the men there. See, so John got up now. Israel has to remove that getting up. <laughs> no, not a problem. I'm just trying to explain something. But we do that, and then we produce the materials, and that's all I owe the Lord. And that journey doesn't cost us too much money. But you know, God has taken the same word. Now, where I'm going is that talking to preachers, don't put yourself under unnecessary pressure. If I tell you how many millions we pay every month to be on radio, you'll be surprised. When I said millions, I meant millions. I mean, like, like I say, we are on 20, is it, is it 25, eh? When at least 25 radio stations now. None of them is free, not one is free. Nobody is saying that, let's broadcast it because you sound so nice. Same time we hear your voice on, on the air, you say, sounds nice. Pastor, come. No, all of them collect their money. If you see the, the way they would even be asking for the money, like, ah. So we, we spend money. The other day, you know, for those of you who listen to us, you know, you stream and all of that, it, you know that most of those bricks you used to have has disappeared. Now it's, it has reached by more than 90%. Doesn't free. We have to pay Elon Musk for that. Yeah, that's not a joke. Where I'm going is that, have you ever seen me fight anybody for money? Why do you give yourself distress? I'm talking to preachers. Why do you give yourself unnecessary headache? Hey, pastor, if you don't have the money, don't do it. <laughs> I heard something recently. I laughed. I laughed. I said, God, deliver us from foolishness. One pastor came to Kingdom Lord. He said, after being ministered for 10 years, I don't want to be in a place like this. I said, that's your problem. D- does he concern me? Yeah. Damn, somebody said that. I know you are like, what? Yes. So he expects me to have a cathedral by now. I have this. I'll be moving in convoy. I drive my car and I don't have a driver. One day, a young man saw me in, bank, in the bank. This is not even to the 10 years ago. More than 10 years. I went to GT Bank on this road. 
He said, Pastor Banky, I said yes. Pastor Banky, I said yes. Uh, so what's the problem? <laughs> he said, what are you doing in the bank? <laughs> I have transactions. I, what, do you, what do you mean? He said, no, with all the radio. Yeah, yeah he said that. He said, with all the radio work and everything. You should have boys who do all of these things now. Nabeka, finish my transaction. Which one you Tell you, so come and carry me, carry me to where God didn't put me. What kind of nonsense is this one? Am I owing you? No. Some people have boys; they are owing everybody. It's true now. I better leave me. <laughs> There's nothing. That, look, let me be honest with you. God has blessed me. Hey, tremendously. I was telling my wife the other day. I said I'm blessed too. Yeah. You don't get it. You may be looking at me, I look normal. Eh? I'm a hyperly blessed creature. Oh, God. I, when I said, okay, let me give you an example. Almost everything I need, I just pick the phone. God has placed somebody there to fix it. Yeah. The day my wife was coming back from Asaba, and the driver was just driving like this. And the guy crashed the car big, almost ran to somebody. No? Head on. I mean, both airbags... Deployed and all of that. My wife was even sleeping. She, she woke up, woke up to hear bang, 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 all kinds of noise. Ah, finally, the car came to a halt. Airbags out, everything. The other car wrecked. And she just called me. I answered the call. Where are you guys? Ah, Juta, you were with me that day. Just answered the call. Hey, what's up? My husband, there's been a terrible accident. How are you? I'm fine. What about your driver? He's good. All right, fine. Every other thing will fix. Anybody injured the other car? No critical injury. All right, fine. So, We'll solve number one. Next point. Okay, what do we do now? He said, the road safety has arrived. Good. All right, can I talk to the road safety person? Do you know, within an hour, <laughs> people were arriving from everywhere. My wife was surrounded. She was, in fact, the road safety man was like, Madam, I beg, can I have peace? Have, because her phone was dead. So she gave us the road safety officer's number. <laughs> Everybody was called. Everybody, next thing, people had arrived from here. One brother was on the way from Asaba. He was in the car inside hold up. I had to call him to turn back. Because they happened to be somewhere between Onicha and Oka. You know, within an hour, she was surrounded. I even was like, wow. Pastor Kimote had called our people in Oka. They had gone there. I called her brother. He's even here today. He had given instructions to the road told the car to here. Don't take it here. She just stood there to watch everybody. Finally, they brought a taxi. Madam, enter here. Oh, yeah. Up to Enugu. When I tell you I'm blessed, it is a joke. It is a money with the top. <laughs> it's a particular scripture. Hey, can I remember that scripture? That the, that the righteous surround me because the Lord has blessed me. So it's a particular scripture like that. Hey, I'm blessed. If, I, if you see me, even they shout for a person where they help me self. They say, oh, God, this is your own self too much. <laughs> tell me. So when somebody came and was laughing at me, I said, this guy, you don't know how blessed I am. I, 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 I feel like I didn't say, oh, but you don't know who you are laughing at. You don't know. It's, it has reached the point where I told my wife, say, I don't joke openly now about what I like. Yeah. But one day I was sorry, but I said, this is nice. So he said, okay. He went back, bought it. I, I will just, I will just tell you it's nice. I don't want it. <laughs> Do you know, I'm not joking. Actually, I had to dash it to somebody else. 
Yeah, because I actually didn't want it. I didn't need it. I was just telling him it looks nice. One of our brothers. <laughs> he makes clothes. So he makes clothes for one of our brothers, another brother. So it was so the guy was looking so handsome. So I was just joking with him. I said, Oh boy, I saw the clothes you made for this guy. I said, Wow, it's beautiful. I said, the guy was looking so handsome that you should be putting a ring inside your clothes so that this young man can wear it because they are looking too fine. No, we're just joking about it. I said, okay, thank you, thank you. I hung the phone. There's suddenly something dawned on me. I called him back. I said, if you make it for me, I'll return it to you. He said, okay. I said, hey, I'm, warning you. I'm just warning you now. As you drop it here, I'm packaging it and putting your address on it again. I'm just commending your work, bros. I beg. He said, oh, God, like, oh, God, calm down. Calm down. No need to fight. No need to fight. Then somebody said that, eh, I can't be here after 10 years. That's your problem. It's just that you don't know that place where you will be. <laughs> no, that is the issue now. You think it's just, you don't know the place where I am. I walked to Abuja the other day because I was coming back from Meduguri. I think it was Sukutu. Yeah. So I said, of course, the taxi was waiting to ping from the airport. I couldn't get a flight to Enugu, so. So Pastor Kroger arranged for me to stay in a particular hotel. As I rushed to the hotel, I just because I had to rush, I had them, my stomach was giving me some more, you know. As I got to the hotel, I needed to go. You know what I mean? So I got to the reception. I please have a reservation. Uh, what's the name? One guy was looking at me like this. As I was trying to talk to the receptionist, he walked up to me. Pastor Banky? I said, yes, yes, Pastor Banky. <laughs> I go, boy, I have other matters. <laughs> the guy didn't let me go. Hey, he, dra- he said, this device, I have over 800 of messages here. I- I'm telling you. I said, I- like, God bless you, God bless you. Being this- <laughs> so I said, I don't want to be here. <laughs> you don't, you see, be careful with what you say with your mouth. Because there are other places you will not be. The Lord is good. I'm just talking about to preachers. So they put themselves sometimes under unnecessary pressure. You want to be in a place where God has not kept you. You set another standard for yourself, for ministry, for yourself that God didn't set. Now you are constantly under pressure. It's why your messages start changing. Suddenly you need what you don't need. Did you hear what I said? They come and say, see, the cameras we are using now is not the latest model. And you're looking like, so? We need to upgrade. And when you hear the upgrade money, you're looking at the pastor and say, you don't even respect anything, Sha. <laughs> you know, the first time, pastors, you are the one I'm helping, you know. The first time I wanted to go, start doing video um, recording and all of that. I went to a guild online that time. And um, I just opened the one website, just typed in video cameras. The first one that I opened, I quickly shut it down. One camera, if I remember, was something like $25,000. How much is Camry? <laughs> I want to buy a camera. You gave me the price of a Camry. Can't you see that? I didn't come here <laughs> to buy a brand new Toyota. I came to buy. I'm not joking. I quickly shut down the website, the webpage. Don't kill somebody. You know those, cap- I went and opened the one. You know those, you see them using UFR cup, all those things. And I, you watch Al Jazeera. Those cameras, I got like $50,000 for one. Yeah, 
You know, there are things that I don't, I don't even pray about. Is Say, Father, you can do all things. And that's your problem, not mine. I mean, <laughs> just, no, I didn't even talk to the Lord what he can do. I just saw the website. Eh. There are things, you know, there are things too wonderful for me. He said, as long as you don't have faith. Yes, that's what I'm telling you, I don't have. <laughs> you are pretending like you have. That's why you are harassing everybody. If you had, why are you telling them? Exactly. Now, if you had faith, you want to just pray and leave it. Why you come to church every Sunday to raise money? As the gospel is being aired around the world, God will be airing your life. All these lies because you, you have faith, you don't have it. You don't have it. Why are you pretending? I shut down rapidly. I've told you many times, the first set of lights we had, each one was 6,000, and I bought a few. And we started videoing. And people could hear. The one thing I'd never compromised was the quality of the sound. What many people don't know is that it costs us not as much as you're thinking. I said one day, Pastor Courage went to Sokoto, told his people. But I came to Sokoto that day. So I, just, I didn't even tell him. I just told his son, Daniel, Daniel, please, tell the person in charge of technical I want to see that. He's my friend, so I can do that in his church. He's my good friend, my brother, known him forever. So I said, tell the people in technical I want to see them. I didn't even tell Pastor Courage. So I just went there. I said, look, guys, there's something you are not doing right. Let's troubleshoot it. I just sat with them. I said, there's something you're not doing right. So we sat and finally identified it. And I showed them where the problem was. That your equipment, they are very good. You have good equipment here. You have, you know, I mean, good. Pastor Corey said, you are an answer to prayer. He said, because I had told them, that's why I'm telling the story. That if you guys can't get it better, I disband all of you. I close this unit down. What was his reason? He said, I have been to Enugu. Pastor Banky doesn't have anything. You guys have heard the quality of things they record. I have all of these things here. What is wrong with all of you? So he said that Holy Spirit is walking. Because I didn't talk to him. I talked to his son. I said, please, tell the ten guy if I want to see them. So I gave him, this is what you guys are doing wrong. Where am I going? When we hear, <laughs> they think we have all the highlights. We don't. Too. Some people, if you see what they used to produce the same sound we are producing. I'm telling you, $20,000 we go down. Our own. We have 20000 spiritual brain. I'm telling you. With the little we have, we, the way we use it, eh? we don't remember one level. When we started recording, it was Sony tape recorder. From then to one old model, this finally stole that one. <laughs> old model, you know, this Kenwood, those, those heavy things. Yes. From then, we now began to buy better equipment, digital recorders. We kept on increasing. We bought a PV amp. Finally, we got a better, you know, just high, you know, resolution. We kept on increasing, bought mixers. I'm not saying we stayed on one level, but there was never a time we were under pressure. Never. Never. It has reached the point now, I'm not joking. Look, this one with this mic do this morning. If you do, I'm again. Now, we don't buy cheap mics. I mean, that mic you saw me remove is $300. Oh, no, no. It's $300. Do the math. Yeah, that one single one just saw me remove. And I laugh at us that it's cheap. But if I had to replace that set, just that one, I have to pay $300. US So don't think I mean, we, are, we only buy cheap things. But I'm just saying we are never under pressure. Never. 
if I see one nice one that you won't even know where the mic is and it'll be sounding like heaven, and they tell me it's $5,000 now, we will pay for it and I won't tell you. You just say, ah, pastor, this sounds so nice. Where's the mic? I said, don't worry, it's spiritual. You know, I just leave it like that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Look, when I told you now that if somebody wants, if you see somebody wants to sell property and all of that, I wasn't joking. So I just told you, don't price it for us. Because if you price it, you may lose faith. And don't use your own belief to spoil my own. Not take your reggae, spoil my blues. I hope you get my point. So, <laughs> but my emphasis is that pressure, lie, lie. If I go there, and they say this thing is so and so and so, millions, if we have the money, I will pay. If we don't have, we'll go home and meditate about it and pray to the Lord. I think the Lord gives us wisdom because sometimes what God gives is not just cash, it's wisdom. And has given me that a lot. Ah! It's just wisdom. Ah. A lot of that's what he does. And many problems you are wasting money on is because the amount of wisdom you have is too small. And one reason why God doesn't even give you money all of, the, all of a sudden is that he wants to develop your wisdom lobe. Do you get my point? <laughs> your brain has to develop because if he just gives you money like that, just get the money the way you want, you will never learn how to think. If it's this ministry thing that taught me that thing, ah, the sense we don't get for this life. Eh? One of my colleagues saw me in the office. I was walking. He came. He said, what is that? You saw the pattern on the, you know, if you're not used to audio editing, when you see the screen, just see color, you know, what is it? I told him what I was doing. He said, are you serious? Yeah, I said, all the noise has to go. He didn't know about how audacity can remove noise. All kinds of wisdom that we have learned. In fact, <laughs> one day, uh, it was Precious. Precious came to show me something. <laughs> she did this one. I just said, uh, what, uh, what did I ask you that day? What do you use? Uh, yeah, Figma. I just said, do you use Figma? She looked, Pastor, you know Figma? I said, yes, I know Figma. How come? Is there anything you don't know? I said, if you have done ministry for as long as I have done ministry, you too will know many things. She did not know I'd ever heard of Figma. I said, ah, Figma, I have used, should I open my Figma account for you? Why? We needed to do something. One guy, he came to town to help us with some stuff. So when I told him the problem I, I, I had, he said, the easy way, he said, use Figma. What is that? He told me what it was. He gave me a lecture for about an hour or two on how to handle some basic things, which was all I needed. So that's it. I became, a fig, I became figmatized. <laughs> I stopped later because I moved to another app. But she was shocked that they said, you know Figma? I said, why no good now? I said, if you do this work for as long as I have done it, one day we were talking with our guy who used to design our website. So I was telling he was working in my house. I said, look, you must do this before you leave this town. Some day we were now talking. And I said that. I said, average users like us. He said, okay, you are not an average user. I considered myself a rudimentary computer. He said, no, you are not. Why? Almost everything I know about computers, software, I learned doing ministry. So when I asked for it, you use FTP for that. What's FTP? I said, uh, file transfer protocol. What? Is my brother that taught me that one to make up. No, I just keep learning every day. When we pay for ourselves, the amount of money we pay. You know, remember we said we are blessed? The guys who are servers, the hosts in America, they rent us servers. One day I found out that, look, if you get a fully self-managed server, 
you, you, you save yourself more than 50% of the cost. What does it mean to fully self-manage? I didn't even know I went and paid for the fully self-managed one. You know what that means? They don't talk to you. They just put on the server, give internet connection, and you're your own. I think that one has smart in it. So we're already paid, you know, trying to save money. <laughs> when it just dawned on me that we bought problems. So I called my brother, my younger brother. I said, see you. We went and paid for this server. I didn't realize it does not come with a C panel. It doesn't come with this. It doesn't come with that. You know, the guy doesn't talk much. He just gave me his usual two words, three words. Not a problem. That's what he said. Not a problem. I went over it again. He said, yeah, not a problem. <laughs> if you know, and I saw in the talk, he just said, not a problem. I said, okay. So you can handle it. Why not? So that's how... By knowing him, we are paying less than half what of what we used to pay for a virtual private server. Because he has to code everything from here, load everything, do everything, set the whole thing up. If they had to do it for us, we'd exactly double what we pay. Instead of $1,000, we have to shell out $2,000. The guy just says, not a problem. So, <laughs> where I'm going is that, like, it's not everything you solve with money. Look, it's not, everything, it's not only money God gives you. That's what I make. It gives you wisdom. It gives you people. Yeah. Yeah. I, see, God has blessed me with people. He has blessed me with people. How am I saying, look, pastors are going around looking for money all the time. One reason why God has not given you money is that, listen, let me develop your wisdom. Let me teach you how to use the resources around you. It's not everything you throw money at. You're always needing money. The more money you need, the less sense you have. Yeah, that's true. Many of the problems we have in this country, let me be honest with you, eh? it's good. So you will learn how to use your resources. I won't get a good school for America, for UK one day. You woke up in the morning, the taps were not running. Everybody, they couldn't go to school. The girl carry bucket, fetch water. Ah, what is wrong with all of you? What are they run? You can't go anywhere. The only water I see running usually is in the river. It's running across the <laughs> So pastors, please stop needing money. Go and pray. You stop putting yourself under unnecessary pressure. That's the point I'm making with that. All right, so let's get back to the thing about what we're saying about you no. Know, yeah, I used to, you know, I digress once in a while to drop some things for people so that Dami can run a better ministry, you know? The Lord is good. Mm-hmm. So when you approach God, he's polymorphic, I said, different forms. If you approach him as you are a crafty person, you find a crafty person there. And that's what the Bible says. If you come with your works, you find a judge. And you can never be justified. No matter how much you have given, you can never be justified. No matter how much you have given, you can never end prosperity. You hear what I said? Once you are dealing with God, the judge, you can never be justified. It's not possible. If you ever leave the place and you feel justified, it's because he showed mercy. He decided to overlook. You know what they overlook? He just overlooked everything. Say, so leave him, leave him. You know he's a boy. 
Satan will come and say, say, Satan, shut up. There's a principle here. He doesn't know. That's it. So if you ever come out when you approach a judge, it's because he showed mercy. And you see in the Bible like that, Jesus told his parable. The man was owing a lot of money. He came before the master. He said, have patience with me, I will pay you all. And the master had what? Compassion or mercy upon him. And he forgave him the debt. But he said, see the way I've showed you mercy? You to go and show mercy. That's the law. So we are careful, therefore, not to approach the judge. We are careful. We don't come to him saying that, look at what we have done. No need. We put ourselves in danger because now we want to approach a judge. When we approach, we approach, our aim is to approach the father. And the only way you can get there and the form of God you will see is that father form with a smile on his face. With the love oozing from his eyes. With compassion from his heart towards you. is when you come through Jesus Christ. We're talking about the grace of our Lord Jesus. He said, no one can come to the Father. Except by me. Except through me. It's what confuses a lot of people. When you talk about the fact that you need to know Christ Jesus. You need to give your life to Christ. They keep on going, you know, the world has a billion Muslims. Are you saying they don't know what they are saying? Do you know how many Hindus there are? What about the Buddhists? Majority of the world are not Christians. Are you saying they don't know God? And they put Christians, you know, you know, in a fix on if you don't know how to reply to them. I believe that you understand it. They don't even claim to know the Father. The Buddhist does not even claim to have a God that has a form, that has a heart. It doesn't. He believes in the spiritual realm, but does not believe in a personal God. A God that has a, you know, a person that you can approach. Who thinks? Who can reply? You can talk. You can, he answers you back. They don't believe in that. So why swallow paracetamol for their headache? Do you get my point? Like you want to defend it. Are you saying that? Uh, no, they are not even claiming it. So let's leave it out. The Hindu thinks that there are so many gods. And all of them are confusing each other. One, you know, those who have believe in polytheism. They have a God for the sun, a God for the moon, a God for rain, a God for wind, a God for the oceans. So sometimes the God of the sun wants to shine upon you, then the God of the ocean decides to flood you, you know? And they can't seem to coordinate themselves. Now come here, you gods, come on, put your acts together there. Let somebody be in charge over there. That's the problem with polytheism. So you go around from one God to another, say, okay, look, we have settled the God of sun. Hmm? What do you need to be settled? Now you're talking about the God of rain. Then after I said the God of rain, you need to talk to the God of the earth. So sometimes the God of rain falls upon you, but the God of the earth said there's no nitrate. <laughs> so your crops don't produce. So they don't even believe in one God. So let's not fight over it. Just by the way, that's why God had to tell Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And thou shalt love this one God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, you know. That's it. All your strength. Okay? So, they don't even claim it. The Jew never, personally, even God, he said, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my son go that he may serve me. They didn't understand him as a father. They never did. They never did. Even then, the only reason why they could know him as a father 
was the fact that he gave them Christ Jesus as a type. So they had the offerings of bulls and goats and turtle doors, you know, and ram and all of that. All those things were signs, types of the foreshadows of the Lord Jesus. So the statement of Jesus is still true. He said, no one can come to the Father except by me. If you want to meet God the Father, you come through Jesus Christ. Meeting God the Father means you come through Jesus. What does it mean to come through Jesus? What does it mean to come? In fact, have you read that scripture? Ah, we have not read anything since. Let's read it now. (laughs) Oh, the Lord is good. Let's read the book of Romans chapter 5. Please don't forget where, where the Spirit began with us today. We just to remind everybody, the hope for freedom for a people is Christ Jesus. Don't let Satan offer us another form of freedom. If you want the villages to be free, take the gospel there. If you want the region to be free, amplify the preaching of the true gospel, not political gospel. Romans chapter 5. We're going to do some lengthy reading. I'm going to use the New Living Translation because when you're reading the book of Romans, I'll, be on, I'll advise you. Eh? Please, this is just my personal counsel. All right? Read it first. The book of Romans. You can read Philippians in any version you like. You can read the um, Colossians almost any version. In one is the, <laughs> if it's what they call the John 9 epistles, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. You can read no matter, read it in the original Latin or Greek. It's not hard. John was a simple guy. So if you read it in, what do you call it, in King James, <laughs> Revised Standard Version, all those hard, hard versions, it's not a problem. The English is hard, but John is so soft and simple. It's hard to misunderstand. But please, when you want to read Romans and Hebrews, please start with a simple translation. Don't enjoy yourself. Start with things like New Living Translation, Good News Bible, Bible in Basic English, you know, things like that. God's Word Translation, very simple translations, all right? Uh-huh. Somebody say message. Uh, <laughs> I said translations, not a, <laughs> a message is not a, it's, not, it's called a message Bible, but really not a Bible per se. It's somebody explaining things. Yeah. So even though it's called a message Bible, I don't personally call it a translation. Please, this is not um, demarketing the Bible or anything. But when you are reading message translation, just know somebody is teaching you the Bible. They're not reading it directly. The man is teaching you the Bible. Things like a New Living, Good News, God's Word. Um, NIV hangs halfway between these people and the more literal ones like New American Standard, Revised Standard, you know, English Standard, uh, New King James. Those ones are in one category. NIV just hangs in between both. But the other level are those guys that try to bring it to you very simply. And those are the ones I mentioned. Things like Message Bible is a man gets up and tries to explain it to you. And I personally think it's good, but just know what it is. Okay? I don't like people quoting from it personally. I think you should read it for yourself. When it comes to quoting, you can use it to amplify what you're saying. It's good. So it's a good Bible. It's good. I, 
I'm not saying I'm not recommending it. No, it's good. It's very good. It's just that I don't think it qualifies to be called a translation. That's just what I'm saying. All right. So if you are reading uh, uh, Romans, I personally advise you start with something like New Living Translation. Then you can now upgrade. Yeah, the word is upgrade really because there are some there's some, something about the language that when you interpret too much, there's a difference between interpreting and translating. When you interpret too much, you can lose the yeah, you know, there are nuances and you know, stuff like that. Nuances that they put. There's some slight poetic things. You no, know? if you're a Bible student, you have to use all of them so you can get the totality. And Hebrew, especially, if you read the prophets, you read the Psalms, and you read Proverbs, the poetry inside there is part of the message. So you can't afford for somebody to just trans- tra- interpret everything for you. You can start with that interpretation, but you have to go up sometimes and try and get as close to the original words as possible because those words actually have meaning. And then the Bible is actually written for you to connect words. There are things you said in the New Testament, except you find that word exactly. Somewhere under the law and the prophets, you will never fully understand it. Okay? That's for those who are Bible students. Some people are like, oh God, read it if you want to read this. Or this. <laughs> Please bear with me. I talk to all different groups of people. So that's why. When it's not your own, just wait. Like this one now, the Bible scholars are taking notes. Okay? And you that don't care, like, the only Bible I have seven are new living. So this one way they talk. It doesn't concern. Don't worry. Just keep on reading it. The Lord will still speak to you. Amen? Amen. Okay, so now I'm going to read New um, Living Translation. Romans chapter 5. Let's start from verse 6. We are going to read a lot. All right? It said, When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for all sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. The word there is a righteous and a good man. If you read another translation, all right, that's verse 7. That is, one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. Verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Verse 10, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. That is, Jesus is still doing something in our lives now, being alive forevermore. Verse 11, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. In verse 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Now this is important. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And the spread of death was because each person continued to sin. In verse 13, it says, yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. It doesn't mean he brought a blessing, but it just means that he suspended judgment, okay? In verse 14, it says, still everyone died. See what I'm saying? From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even though it was not counted as sin like that, but it was still bringing forth death. You see that? Says, so from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, everyone died. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who was yet to come. 
But there is a great difference between what Adam did, that is Adam's sin, and Christ, that is God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the results of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Now the last verse we are going to read, verse 19. It says, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. The Lord is good. Now let me just explain this briefly, and then we're done for the day. What are we reading here? We are reading the fact that sin came into the world from Adam, from the time of Adam, and that mankind needs redemption. That's what I began to say, explain last time. Why do we need a redeemer? What is sin? John said to us, all unrighteousness is sin. What is, what is unrighteousness? It is simple. Anything that is not in line with divine order. Anything that's not in line with how God said it should be. Anything that's not in perfect alignment with the creator's manual, the creator's instructions, the creator's desires, the creator's order, precepts. Once it is not in perfect alignment, it is sin. Now, it doesn't, you don't have to know. I hope you get my point. You don't have to know. What I mean by you don't have to know is that you are not, it's not called sin simply because you knew and you went against it. That is what they call a transgression. There's a difference. A transgression is that we told you. Okay? Let me give an example now. Assuming that you decide you are moving to, um, I think, UK or Japan. I think Japan is also right hand, right? Yes, Japan. So you forget, and then you can drive, so you need to go out. You just took your, uh, your cousin's keys. Maybe you have a friend there, a cousin. You enter the car. First thing now, this guy, why is your steering on the wrong side of the car? The steering for them is on the right side. And then you just enter the car without thinking about it. You get into the road. You are driving the way you normally drive in Nigeria, which is what? On the... Yeah, we drive, we drive on the right, yeah. You drive on the right. Our sayings on the left, we drive on the right. There's no sayings on the right. You're wondering, why is it saying on the right? You forget. You, know, you, don't, you don't always think about these things. So you just enter the road. You reflexly you go to the right. Then you wonder, why is everybody else crazy? Why are they all facing you? Then one policeman quickly stops you and tells you that, why are you driving on the wrong side? He says, no, what's wrong with everybody else? Now, did you break the law? Now, let's be like, did you go against the law deliberately? No. But were you wrong? You were wrong. It's not about whether you knew or you did not know. But you were wrong. And you were going to jam and kill somebody. And it actually happened to one American diplomat. He killed a little boy. A young man. Not a little boy. A young man who was riding the bicycle on the right side of the road. But she forgot that this is not America. This is UK. That's, so when I say right, on the correct side of the road. But she was not on that side. 
And she took a turn, didn't see the guy coming, ran into the guy, and the guy died. That's how sin is. I know I don't know. It's irrelevant. Whether you know is irrelevant. It is still sin. But that's what John called a sin not unto, pardon me to add the word, spiritual death. He said unto death. But because of what we are saying, and I just mentioned somebody died. Let's be sure of what we are saying. All right? It's not unto spiritual death. That is, God does not bring a punitive judgment against you, even though you are walking in sin. But like Paul just told us here, whether you know or not, the wages of sin is still what? Death. He said, for that reason, death continued to reign. On all pe- persons, every people, that like all people and every individual amongst the peoples, because they were defaultly against the law of God. Why were they defaultly walking against the law of God? God? Because they did not have the law of God. Nobody taught them. They did not know. I hope you're getting my point. A lot of things people did in the world which they felt were right, they were against the law of God. But they did not know. So, the Bible says two things here. One, they still died, but they were not working in transgression. Adam was different. Adam knew the rule, and then he broke it. Eve did not realize she was actually breaking the, even though they told her, but she was deceived. That's another thing. There can be total ignorance, there can be deception, and then there's frank transgression, which you are not deceived. So whether it's total ignorance or you are deceived, it still brings forth death. Why? You have disobeyed the structure of life. You are getting my point here. <laughs> so if, you, if they say, okay, this food now, you don't know it contains poison and you eat it, you get my point, you still die. But there are people who want to commit suicide. They know it's poisonous. They, in fact, they put the poison by themselves. And then they eat and they die. So that's what they call transgression. Now, why is everybody a sinner? Just look what I've said. Now, why is it that Adam's sin spread to everybody? It is simple. Adam was the head of a household, the human race. And by disobeying God, he took everybody in his household out of the, the will of God. And so they started growing up outside the will of God by default. Of course, for those who don't understand the meaning of the word default, it means factory setting. The way they are, when you downloaded the app, you are, they have signed every agreement for you on what they can collect from your phone, and when they just accept, just accept, accept, accept that you've accepted to give them your destiny. You don't know that. <laughs> Say your best right to Facebook and Apple and Amazon and Google. <laughs> so every phone comes what they call the default setting. So what we mean this is, is by factory setting. It doesn't depend on you, the buyer or the downloader. That's what we mean. So, when a child is born now, the factory setting is that you obey the rules of mankind, which is against God. That's why you're a sinner. You don't have to do evil. Once you're born, and you don't have the instructions of God, or somebody giving it to you from the beginning, you don't have a choice, you will break the rules of God. That's why you're a sinner. And whether you know or not, you're a sinner. If you know, you're a transgressor. Do you get my point? That's why John told us about the sin that is what? Unto death. When they have told you, and you say, no, this is the way I still like to do it. You have now become what? A transgressor. All right? So they are different. But because we are defaultly sinners, consciously or unconsciously, is why we need a redeemer. It's not because we are transgressors. 
is because we are sinners. Transgressors are sinners also. I hope you get my point. But there's this blanket. Once you're outside God, you're outside God. Being outside God is called unrighteousness. It's not judgment. It's not God's angry with you. It is just that you're outside. For you to come in, you need somebody. That's what we're talking about. Jesus has to, somebody has to bring you in. And the person that brings you, brings us in, is whom? Is Christ Jesus. Like we were saying earlier. So we are not angry with you if you are a Muslim. We are just saying that where Christ takes people to, you can't come there. Not because he's angry, but you didn't ask him to. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. He wasn't lying. If you can, try. You know that kind of thing. Hey, go now. You say, okay, I don't need the key. I don't need your direction. I don't. When, the, when the Jewish man means the way, all right? What it means is because, you know, when you hear some things, as long as you follow me, you get to your destination. So when Jesus said, I am the way, you follow me, you get to your destination. Do you get my point? So if you think you can get to the Father without following him, let's put it like this, try. Try. You know the truth? You can never get there. Anytime you get to God, remember polymorphism? God being polymorphic? Anytime you get to him, you will find a judge who will demand your good works. You can never have enough for two reasons. One, you don't even know what to do and what it requires. And secondly, everything you have done wrong in the past still counts against you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah, it does, it does. Why? Because, you see, many of us don't realize sin is not just an action, all right, that once you're done, it's gone. Okay? Sin is, every spiritual activity generates ripples in the realm of the spirit. It does. So if you do something that is wrong, the ripple has been initiated, has gone out. Let's just use a simple thing like you told a lie as an example. It's not okay. I, I told them, they're okay, that uh, his handkerchief is on the floor. Meanwhile, I know that Chooks threw it to the back. But now he has found his handkerchief. That lie is over. Do you feel my point? Yeah. That's what we think, naturally speaking. After all, he has found his handkerchief. No, but spiritually, once you t- tell that lie, a ripple goes out. A star somewhere has to die earlier than it was supposed to die. As an illustration. The ripple goes out. A planet somewhere misses its trajectory, the, the, the orbit and strikes another one. An asteroid hits another planet and then it fragments into two and listen to this, listen to this, and starts heading towards the earth. And in about 350 years, it will come close enough to come into our atmosphere, fragment into pieces, and you know that asteroids have actually hit the earth and set forests on fire. And people are just wondering that, hey, I hope one day to not hit a city. Now, that's how terrible it is. Now, I say, what are you saying, Pastor Banky? What are you saying? Yes, I'm saying that it's because a lie choose to hold about somebody's handkerchief that brought the asteroid to a collision course with the earth after 350 years. If you go and study enough quantum physics, you know what I'm saying? It's not as crazy as it sounds. So I'm now telling you, by the spirit of God, not physics now, that the sin of man, that's what it does. 
So when God says that even the planets are knocking in his sight, it's not a joke because when we sin here, we defile all the planets even though they are far away. We defile the stars. So when you go to God, who's going to clean that up? This mess you have made, who will clean it up? You come and say, I give an offering. God says, I know. How does that help me clean up Jupiter? Which you and your friends defiled through all the lies you guys told that time. How do I clean it up? Your good works now do not have that kind of power. The best they can do is limit the negative effect your presence is having in my universe. Who is going to clean it up? No, Ekis make me laugh. They say if you come back long enough in reincarnation, eventually you clean up all your sins. Tell them, I said, they don't know spiritual things. This is their teaching for those of you who are believing it. Right now, you are paying for the sins that you committed in the former life. And if you don't finish, you are going to come back to finish. There's only one problem. Once you arrive, from the day you start talking, you start sinning. Essentially, you are in a cycle of eternal reincarnation. And you will never succeed in cleaning up your sins. That is why you need a helper. Tell your neighbor, you need a helper. You know, that's what Jesus is. He said, I will send you another comforter. That's a helper. He was the first one. He's the one that, we're talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me summarize it here. We are naturally enemies of God. I've explained how come. Death continued to reign. I'll talk about that next time. God allowing us. Until Moses. Why? Moses was able to download some of the order of God. To suspend the reign of death amongst the people of Israel. We are naturally enemies of God. There's not, it's just natural. It doesn't mean you went and took a gun and shot at God. No. It just means that you are living, you are disobeying him, not knowing you are disobeying him. But because he understands, he's mindful that we are both flesh. He, he knows that we are acting in ignorance. So what did he do? He said, come unto me. Come. I will redeem you. However, who's going to clean up all the mess you've made all over the entire universe? Don't worry, I'll take care of that. I hope you're getting my point. So anyone that comes through the sun, one has his sins forgiven, and then has his sin forgiven. I said that deliberately. I want to put a question in your heart. Notice what I said. Number one, has what? His sins forgiven. And number two, has his sin forgiven. The word sin in the Bible is quite a big one. But the way I've used it now, what I mean is that all the acts and of thoughts and actions that you have committed, all the wrong negative thoughts and negative, negative actions you've done, they are forgiven. Then the consequences that have just been oozing all around is also cleaned. That cleansing can only be done by the sacrifice on the cross. Now listen to me. God has always accepted only one sacrifice. And that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So what about the animal sacrifices? They were types. All of them pointed to Jesus. Any sacrifice that was ever offered on this earth that did not point to Christ was never accepted. Did you hear what I said? Now you say, hey, but what about the people that did not know? God still gave it to them. I hope you know, Abel was not a Jew. Abel now, Abel in your Bible. Yeah, he was not a Jew. <laughs> But God told him to offer a sacrifice. Abraham was not a Jew. But God taught him to offer 
sacrifices. Job, all those people. So don't think offering of sacrifices started with Moses and God. No. Why am I saying it? Down in Africa, they offered sacrifices. They did. But the only ones that were accepted, because God used to speak to, they don't think that God left himself without a witness. He didn't. I'm from Western Nigeria, so I know about the culture over there. The Ifa priests actually spoke for God. They did. They were messengers of God. You know, Balaam in your Bible was nothing more than an Ifa priest. Don't think that Balaam was a, an, a friend of Moses. No. He was nothing more than an Ifa priest. He knew divination. Those guys knew what to do to make you rich. They knew what to do to help you kill somebody. They knew what to do to make somebody love you. And, but what I'm saying is that God used to speak. So people knew what to do many times. They knew how to offer sacrifice. And if you go and read your Bible, you see it. Exactly what Job offered was what Balaam was offering. Let's read that one and we'll close with it. Let's just learn something. Job chapter 42. From verse 7. It says, it came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends. Because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take for yourselves what? Take for yourselves what? Seven bulls and seven rams. Take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. And go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you. Alright? Now, go to Numbers chapter 23. Let's read the story of Job. Of Balaam, sorry. Thank you. Verse 1. Are you there? Then Balaam said to Balak, build me what? Seven altars. He said, build seven altars for me here. And do what? Prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me here. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. They lived at different times. But they were operating the same principles. God spoke to them. They knew what. And each time Balaam had to do something. You can read again and again. What he will ask for is seven bulls and seven rams. After offering them, he says, stand beside your burnt offering and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me. And whatever he shows me, I will tell you. And what happened? Now God met Balaam. And he said to God, I have set up seven altars and I've offered a bull and a ram on each altar. I can talk to you now. Do you get my point? They knew how to approach you. But there was no approach that God accepted except he was giving us, except he's a type of Jesus Christ that was to come. Why did God choose it like that? I don't know. I don't want to analyze it. I may find out as we are talking, but let me not even sit on the why. But let's just know it as a matter of fact. I hope you're getting my point. That for you to come back to God and be realigned with the God of the universe, you need a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is who? Jesus. Let me end it with this. Sometimes, so I'm trying to decide whether I should say it or not, but I should, okay. Sometimes preachers listen to this. And those who listen to us preachers, listen also. We get to this point, we start twisting things. And I think it's very wrong. Did you hear what I said now? For you to be reconciled to God, to meet the God of the universe, what did I say? You need what? A sacrifice. You've been there. Usually that's where it starts. You know what I mean? Some of us think it's harmless. It's not harmless. It's harmful and it invokes the wrath of God. 
What we will now do, we'll get to say, oh, you need it. I, I've preached before. Somebody said, Kai, that was a good point to tight. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I finished preaching. See the way I just like this. Someone said, that point was where you should have connected it with seed. Please, oh, back here. What did I say? It's not good. Don't do it. The sacrifice is Jesus Christ. What did I say? Please don't take anything. You know, I found out God doesn't like those who take away from his words or add funny things to them. Don't. What sacrifice do people need for deliverance is Christ Jesus. What sacrifice do they need for reconciliation with, the, with God of the universe so that they will see him as the father is Christ Jesus. Any other sacrifice must be lived as their life. That is like, is a life they are living as a result of this sacrifice. I say this so I can close with it. Your ancestral curses are only active outside Christ. Once you come to God by Christ, the curses are left behind. You cannot break that curse with your seed. Please, by the grace that is upon me as a teacher of the word of God, And when I teach, the Lord speaks by his prophetic unction here and there. By that grace, I say to you as an instruction. If anybody ever tells you, come and deliver yourself from a curse. And he does not magnify the completed work of Christ, but tells you something you want to do now. I forbid you by the spirit of God from obeying. Because the time has come when God begins to judge both him that preaches it, and him that obeys him. I give you that warning under God. As I close today. Never let anybody offer you anything. Apart from Christ Jesus. As deliverance. Bow down your heads. And give the Lord thanks for that. Never. And I want you from the bottom of your heart. Thank God for Christ. Say Lord I thank you. Say Jesus I thank you. For offering up yourself. As my sacrifice. The sacrifice before the Father that delivers me. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Jesus, I thank you. Say, Father, I thank you.